Happy almost new year. This week, I've got a great birth story for you with one of my friends, Tiffany Lacey, and she is a birth worker out in California. She works at a birth center and she wrote in because she wanted to share with you guys all about having an unplanned pregnancy, having appendicitis at 16 to 19 weeks pregnant prodromal labor, birthing at a birth center, having an OP baby. I mean, there is so much to learn from Tiffany Lacey in today's birth story episode. Enjoy. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does the day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions birth story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to jump on and remind you about Birth Story Academy. And if you are listening in the window from December 1st, 2021 to February 1st, 2022, pre-sales are going on now for 50% off. So 50% off, it's 98 bucks. 98 bucks. You get a copy of the Birth Story podcast. You get downloadable Um, digital birth affirmations, you get all the birth planning templates and you get my 20 module course. Like this is a great deal. My private doula clients pay over $3,000 for this. So for $98, jump into my private Facebook community. There's already about a hundred people that have joined. And on February 1st, we're going to dive in when class begins. So it's an online childbirth course. You take it at your own pace. There's 20 modules. Taught by me, a 17 year veteran birth doula with a less than 7% cesarean rate. And I am going to teach you everything that you need to know and every decision you need to make about your hospital birth so that you too have the best chance of having that low, low cesarean rate like all of my doula clients enjoy. So I hope I will see you in class. You just go to birthstory.com, click on Birth Story Academy, and use that code Birth Story Podcast for 50% off. If you're in that window, prices go up very soon. Hey, Tiffany, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. Hi. I am very excited. Thank you for reaching out and asking to share your story. And I know you're coming all the way from Santa Rosa, California, and I'm all the way in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I really love that this story is going to be kind of coast to coast. And the reason I like doing birth stories from all over the world and all over the United States is because it is just so true that the birth experience 
can be so similar, no matter where you are at, and the advocacy needed can be very similar no matter where you are are at and where you're birthing. So I'm really excited to learn a little bit about the birthing environment in Santa Rosa, California, and your story. So let's start at the beginning. Who are you? Tell us a little (laughs) bit about yourself. Uh, My name is Tiffany, and you said I'm from Santa Rosa, California. It's in uh, Northern California, the North Bay. I am a mother of one. Uh, one son. I work at a local birthing center here as a midwife assistant. I also have worked there for the last 12 years, um, mostly cleaning rooms, but over the last uh, few months, I've become a midwife assistant, which is amazing. It's my passion. I've always loved birth. I've always loved everything to do with birth. So um, being able to be in that field now is a dream to me past has been in food management. I've done that forever. And over the last couple of months, I've been able to step out of that finally, which is so freeing to be able to do what I really love. Okay. So how did you make that life change into birth work? Well, before I had my son, I wanted to be a nurse. So I was actually in school doing uh, prereqs for nursing okay. so that I could become a labor and delivery nurse at um, a birth center, hopefully. Um, okay. Those plans changed once I became pregnant. So kind of moved into food. And now that my son's older and I have uh, more time and more resources, I can kind of move back into what I've really wanted to do. Wow. Okay. This is one of my absolute life passions for everyone listening to this podcast with longevity, that's like listen to all hundred plus episodes at this point, is that I love change of life stories. And I love like being able to have the luxury at some point in your life. So maybe it wasn't in our early 20s, but maybe in our early 30s, having a chance to pivot and do what our heart is calling us to do rather than, you know, what pays our rent and our bills. So right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm really excited for your birth story. You wrote in and the, really the only things I know are that you had an unplanned pregnancy and that you delivered at a birth center with an OP baby. So that's our teaser for for (laughs) your birth story. Um, let's talk about that unplanned pregnancy though, because we don't talk about that enough, you know? about what it's like to get pregnant when you're not either ready or trying. Right. So so what did that look like for you, Tiffany? It was pretty scary. Um, I found out I was pregnant in um, July of 2010. So I was um, by myself. (laughs) I was single. Um, uh, Right off the bat, I knew the father of the baby wouldn't be in the picture. So that was scary too, to kind of, you know, kind of make that decision on what I was going to do. Luckily I had a lot of family support and my family was all on board for helping me, supporting me. Um, Not so much financially because they couldn't, but at least um, with childcare and being excited. It was um, the first grandchild in the family. So um, that was, Probably helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm going to dig a little bit. How old were you? I was 22. 
Okay. So relatively young. Yes. Right. And in school full time and working full time. In school with this dream of being a nurse and working towards that with your prereqs. So you were busy. Yes. And were you dating this person or was it like, you know, just went out one night? <laughs> uh, I was dating this person, but only for like about a month. Okay. So it was like, bam, hey, you're pregnant. <laughs> okay. How did you find out you were pregnant? Um, well, it was really strange because I had like two periods, like two weeks apart, which was very okay. strange. Um, and then I just didn't have one afterward and I had some strange spotting and just knowing all about birth and loving it. And I'm just like, maybe I should just uh, take a test to see. <laughs> and it came back positive and it was like five o'clock in the morning and I was completely freaked out. Okay. So did you cry? I didn't at the moment. I did um, days later. I think it had to kind of sink in like, oh, wow, this is happening. Yeah. I remember that moment. Like I, you know, I, I had planned pregnancies. Uh, well, I mean, yes, I'll just call them both planned pregnancies. The second one, the first was a fertility journey and the second kind of just showed up. But like, I remember like being kind of in disbelief and floating around in some sort of like, like just kind of like total denial for a few days, you know, before it was like, oh, okay, this, yeah. this is happening. You know what I mean? I, so I say that to say planned or unplanned, I, I can go right, I can be transported right back to that moment of like peeing on that stick and then just kind of being like, I'm not sure how to process these, these emotions. <laughs> and so we're going to handle them in a few days from now. Yeah. Now. So, um, so you alluded to the fact earlier that you knew the father wasn't going to be in the picture. And so that this was going to be a solo parenting journey for you. So let's talk about the pregnancy when you're by yourself, right? Did you have, um, you said your family, but who are some of the people that you turn to for like education, support, like what to do next, right? Like when do I make a doctor's appointment? Um, well, I had worked at the birth center at that point. Um, so I kind of already knew this is where I'm going to have my child. And I knew already knew to, you know, talk to them. So that part I had pretty planned out ahead of time. Um, but my sister was the first person that I told. And I actually told her right before we went to go see my dad play a gig. My dad's a musician. Okay. So sitting in the parking lot and before we opened the door, I said, by the way, I'm pregnant. Don't tell dad. <laughs> and <laughs> she was like, uh, what? <laughs> so, cause I wouldn't be drinking. So I wanted to tell her why I wasn't drinking. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's always the telltale sign, the drinking, yeah. you know? <laughs> so she kind of had to process it in that time. Um, probably, I think a week later, we had a little family dinner with my mom and my dad and my sister. My parents are divorced, but we're still all get together. Okay. So we all got together. I had told my mom at that point, but hadn't told my dad. So at that dinner, I told my dad and he said, Oh, that's funny. You're kidding. <laughs> and I said, no, dad, really? He's like, no, 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 you're kidding. We ended up fast forward. We ended the dinner. 
he still wasn't understanding what I was talking about. <laughs> that would also be like parents form of denial, you know, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like what we experienced, but in the opposite, you know, a couple, um, a couple episodes back, I interviewed one of my doula clients named Susie Brantley and she was single by choice. So she had done the whole like sperm donation kind of thing. But one of the, my favorite videos that I've ever put up on Instagram was that she sent to me where she told her parents that she was pregnant and it was in a, with a little onesie and her parents, because she was single, her parents were like, well, who's going to wear this? (laughs) I thought, oh my gosh, are sometimes our parents, you know, like, come on guys, get with it. We're, we're having babies, you know? Yeah. Um, so it sounds like everyone in your family eventually was so super excited and got on board and your dad believed you. Yes. yes. <laughs> he did call me the next day. My my sister and I had left. My mom had to explain it to him. And he called me the next day and said, you know, you have choices, right? You don't have to do this. There, there's options. I said, I know, dad. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for being supportive. And this is what I'm going to do. And he said, okay, I just want you to know that you don't have to be forced to do anything. So, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about that at all? Like, did you know right away, like, I am going to choose this baby or? Yes. Okay. So it was an instant, like, there's no other choice for me, even though there are choices. That was an instant connection with you and your baby. It was, um, I did how I kind of process, especially things like this that are a huge financial burden is I did a quick spreadsheet. <laughs> I said, can I do this? I want to be able to provide the best life for my child. I did the spreadsheet. I said, I can do it. So proud <laughs> of you. That is like, I mean, that's a very type A analytical personality of you right there too. I'm surprised that your job isn't an accountant. (laughs) Well, it is. I do that too. Um, I do bookkeeping at home. Oh, see, there we go. A couple different jobs. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I was like, ding, ding, ding. I was like, that is in there. So, well, I mean, kind of how fortuitous though, that you were working at a birth center too. So you were around birth and pregnant persons and midwifery care. And, you know, you, you knew a lot from studying to be a nurse also. So did you right away just schedule an appointment at the birth center? I did. Okay. So how does your birth center work? Like, are there 10 midwives or just one or, you know, how did you get to choose your provider? Um, The practice is usually somewhere between three and seven midwives. It just kind of depends. I've been there 12 years. So, um, you know, depending on the number that we have at the time, um, at that time, I believe there were four Okay. and each provide, you see each provider, um, during, throughout your pregnancy so that whoever is on call, you have built some sort of relationship with them. Okay, great. So you were able to meet all of the different, well, I mean, you already knew all the midwives, but you know, from a, right. preg, from a pregnant person perspective, you're meeting them in a whole new way when they're like, you know, yeah, you know, especially with that first examination. <laughs> Yeah. Real personal. (laughs) Right. I was like, you're getting to know him really well. Okay. So can you walk us through that, um, that first appointment? Um, it was a, the first appointment, they kind of just do, uh, um, get to know you, fill out all the paperwork. They do a really long first appointment to get, um, your entire history, um, you know, 
social history or um, emotional history, and they kind of get a full picture of you. Okay. And also um, kind of obviously do all the prenatal physical kind of exam to give you a pregnancy test. Um, no ultrasounds at that, at that time, we didn't have an ultrasound machine at the birth center. So everything's just by, you know, feel and things like that. Okay. Now could they detect the heartbeat on with the Doppler at that appointment? They could not. I was eight weeks at that point, eight or nine weeks. Um, so they couldn't at that point. Okay. What I need the audience to hear over and over again is we cannot always detect heart tones before 10 or 12 weeks externally. So on the belly. So, but a a vaginal, you know, it kind of looks like a giant vibrator, like a goes up inside of you, this ultrasound one. And so that's the best way to be able to like see the heart flickering. But much later on, after that first trimester, we can typically get fetal heart tones externally. So every now and then I'll have a client that comes back from a 10 week appointment and could hear the baby's heartbeat on the outside, but they have to be really skinny. <laughs> so, really skinny with a really strong heart rate. So um, so when is the first time that you got to, or did you do any ultrasounds? Like when's the first time you got to hear his little heartbeat? Well, my appointment right after that, I believe I was about 12 weeks at that point. Okay. Um, I was able to hear it with the Doppler externally. Okay. Now, when you work at the birth center... Like, was it very tempting? Like, I feel like I would have grabbed the Doppler and like just tried every day. Did you? Oh, I totally did. Oh, you did. Okay. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I mean, why wait till your 12 week appointment when there's a Doppler sitting right there? Yeah, my day? midwife's like, stop doing that. You're going to make him hype or whoever. I didn't, I did not know the sex of the baby yeah. at that point, obviously, <laughs> but you're going to make the baby uh, hyperactive. So stop doing that. <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah. So don't do this, listeners. Don't do this. But I did buy a Doppler. I was so, I had so much anxiety. Like, I I don't know, I, you know, I probably should have been diagnosed with antepartum anxiety. I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety, but I had so much anxiety. I'm, I listen to the babies like probably every day. Like, well, I was spotting also um, for the first probably month just kind of on and off. So that obviously made me very nervous too. So being able to listen and hear that heartbeat was um, something that I really needed to kind of say, oh, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So let's talk about that bleeding. So that bleeding is often at first implantation bleeding. And then it is normal-ish to spot throughout your whole entire pregnancy for some women. You know, now sometimes it's an indication of something like a subchorionic hematoma or something. Mm-hmm. Did you have a diagnosis for your spotting or was it just normal spotting? Um, it was at first I thought it was normal spotting. Um, later on, I can get into that with the whole appendectomy. Oh, yeah. To, Let's get into that. Find out, um, it, she wasn't sure because I had those two periods back to back. So she thinks it may have been twins and I miscarried one. They were never sure, but she said that could have been since I had a period, didn't have a period and then had another one. So that, cause my dating was kind of, um, strange. So really it should have been from that first period, not the second. So I had like a heavy bleeding technically while I was pregnant. So she thinks maybe it was a 
twin, okay. but she's not sure. Okay. Oh, that's a lot to take in, you know, yeah. too. Um, so you just said appendectomy, which for those <laughs> of you that are listening and you don't know what the hell that word means, it's the removal of the appendix. <laughs> so I'm assuming you had appendicitis. I did. Um, so in September, like before that pregnancy was fine, everything was great. No problems other than being extremely ill for the first about 14 weeks. Um, just I had a lemon that I kept in my purse that I would just scratch with my nails and sniff to try okay. to like <laughs> calm the nausea, which really does work. So there's a tip. Yeah, that's a great tip, Tiffany. So scratch it. Kind of scratch it kind of to release the, um, the oils and then just smell it. I had a lemon in my purse all the time. <laughs> I feel like my, my mouth is getting like tangy, like from just thinking about it, you know, too. So yeah, I worked in food at that point too. Um, I was a cook. So being around all these smells and, uh, it was, it was terrible the first 14 weeks. <laughs> That's torture for a pregnant person in their first trimester. Cause you're either going to be like starving or it's very averse to a lot of those scents, you know, were you more averse? I was averse the first 14 weeks. And after that, it was like, I just want to eat all the things, all the things. So, <laughs> well, shoot, let's get into this appendectomy. I mean, this is crazy. I've never interviewed anyone on this podcast about this. Okay. So tell what happened. So the end of September, um, it was like the 28th in the evening. So I live alone in this tiny little studio apartment and I started getting stomach pain. And at first I felt, Oh, it's probably just gas or my stomach's, you know, upset. And it just continued to get worse, not better. Um, so I was kind of pacing back and forth in my house. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going into preterm labor. I don't know if I'm going to be sick, I don't know what the problem is. So I called the on-call number for the midwife and she stated, well, that's kind of outside my scope. Um, maybe, you know, you should probably either go to the ER or maybe call your primary care physician in the morning. So, which all makes sense to me, right? Like, of course, call your, like, you're pregnant. You're always going to call your midwife right. <laughs> or your OBGYN first. But, like, it is surprising how many things they don't treat, you know, that they'll need to refer out to. Right. Um, so I was sitting there just in pain. And at that point, I was in pre-nursing. So I pull out my anatomy book <laughs> and just start going through the pages where, like, what is, what's down here? And I said, it's my appendix. I said, it's gotta be. So in the, I did make it through that night in the morning. I went to my primary care physician. She, I had a slight fever, nothing major. Um, she kind of palpated my abdomen and said, yeah, you know, it could be your appendix. I don't know. You do need to go to the hospital. At that point, she tried to listen for the baby. She could not hear fetal heart rate, which was very oh, terrifying to me. Granted, she's not a midwife. She's a primary care physician. So she yeah. said, don't worry too much. I'm not trained in this. So. And she was not using a Doppler either. I'm assuming she was using a stethoscope. 
she was using something. I have not seen it since. <laughs> it yeah. looked like a very old fashion Doppler. That she yeah. Okay. Closet somewhere. Yeah. So I'm saying that like, don't expect your primary care provider to have the proper equipment to find right. a fetal heart tone. Yeah. Right. Just, so she sent me straight to the hospital. Okay. Um, the hospital is great. They like, I didn't have to wait. They're like, come right in. We're going to, you know, triage you immediately. Um, they were wonderful and nice. They found the heart rate. So that okay. made me feel better. And now uh, I'm assuming this is a series of blood tests and or is it safe to do a CT scan when you're pregnant to assess they didn't, appendicitis? Well, they did. Um, they didn't do a CT scan. They just did blood work, which okay. my uh, white blood cell counts like through the roof. Okay. And then they did an ultrasound, an abdominal ultrasound. An abdominal ultrasound. Okay. I was thinking like, Usually, I think if you're not pregnant, right, they would do a CT scan. Right. Okay. So that I'm answering my own question. Probably not safe to do a (laughs) CT scan. I don't know. So an ultrasound makes more sense. And itis means inflamed. So they would see that your appendix would have been an abnormally large. Right. So they did the um, ultrasound. That was the first time I got to see the baby. So that was awesome. That was uh, your first ultrasound. That was my first ultrasound. Oh, <laughs> uh, did they so tell they you saw, that? Did they tell you the assigned sex? She tried, and the baby turned and crossed their legs. Okay. <laughs> so I couldn't see. Okay. Um, and they saw that my appendix was inflamed. Um, they also said, "Hey, by the way, you're like." three weeks more pregnant than you thought you were. So I was closer to 18, 19 weeks, right under 20 weeks still. Um, Okay. So. But that that makes more sense now about the bleeding then. Like, yeah, that, that would, the, the being more pregnant would make more sense. And then having have maybe had had a, a miscarriage with the, the subsequent twin or something that would make something, more something yeah strange or even or even just a, a bleed behind the placenta or implantation bleed. I mean could have been a lot of things but that does make right. more sense to me that you were further along than you than you thought so which at that point I kind of panicked and said oh well um I did a few things I shouldn't have done while I was you know a couple of weeks pregnant because I didn't realize <laughs> it was but Eh, you got to let that go. <laughs> yeah. So after that, they called in the on-call surgeon to um, come in and they said, well, you have to get your appendix taken out, which is terrifying. You are <laughs> kidding me. Like, so <laughs> like under general anesthesia? Yes. Oh God, Tiffany. So the surgeon came in and he told me just, this is what has to happen. There's no other option. Um, and these are all the risks. You go into preterm labor. Um, you could lose a baby since you're before 20 weeks. It's before viability. So there's really nothing we can do if that happens. But like with appendicitis, if you don't do anything, then you risk your life. Right. I mean, this I would have been bawling and I would have been curled up in a ball, like heaving, sobbing. Like these are, I'm stuck between two, uh, really two hard places. 
Right. And it, it was terrifying. I was in so much pain. Um, they had given me morphine, but you know, I'm pregnant. So only so much. Yeah. So, and then they asked, um, would you like to see a chaplain? Um, cause this was a Catholic, uh, hospital. So with that, I just said, well, do I need one? <laughs> so right. I think they um, offer that right anytime you go under general anesthesia, right? Because I guess there's always a chance you don't wake back up. Right. So my mom did call um, the priest from the church we were attending, and he came and said a prayer over me. Okay. And I went into surgery, and um, everything went great. I was able to stay on the postpartum unit rather than the med surge unit, which is great. Oh, that makes me feel so good. Like with postpartum nurses taking care of you. Yes. So they monitored the baby's heart rate, um, you know, frequently. And just the level of care that I got um, was, I think, for me, much better than, you know, if I was just being seen by um, med surge nurses. So, yeah, I'm assuming that like no surgeon or anesthesiologist like wants to put a pregnant person under general anesthesia like that had to have been stressful for them too yes um at my follow-up appointment with the surgeon he said I didn't tell you at the time but I when I got that phone call that I needed to perform an appendectomy on a pregnant woman he's like I was scared I was did not want to do that oh gosh I just I feel that deeply you know So, but you're alive. Here you are. And you're talking about your 10 year old. So like, (laughs) yay, everything worked out. You know, what was your recovery like? Cause that's like basically like having a mini C-section right in the middle of pregnancy. Right. I was, I stayed in the hospital for a couple of days. Um, my mom was able to stay in the bed next to me. They were really accommodating. Um, and I was able to go home and I did stay with my mom which kind of funny backstory during this whole scenario, I was trying to move into a new apartment Okay. at the end of that month. So this happened on the 28th. I was supposed to be out on the 30th. <laughs> and I was in the process of um, trying to fight with the city about um, the housing and all this, all these things were happening at the same time. <laughs> Too much stress. Yes. <laughs> Too much. So it all worked out. I had a lot of help. I was able to get moved into my new place. Um, I was only took about a week or so off of work. Um, my recovery was fairly quick. Um, I was in minimal pain. Uh, they had given me Norco, which I did not really want, but they said it's better to not be in too much pain because it will stress you out, stress the baby out. Um, so take it until for a few days. And then I was able to get off of that. So. Okay. And then did you have to move to like Tylenol? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, is there a step down from Norco, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So anyway, so maybe just some Tylenol. I'm so so surprised that you were back at work after a week. I haven't had an appendectomy, but all of my siblings have. It's like, I don't know, in in their 40s. So I'm and I'm 42 now. And I'm like, Oh, God, it's coming. You know, I'm like, I'm next, you know, now that I'm aging into the appendectomy zone of all my siblings, but I haven't had it done. But I did speak with another pregnant person on a previous episode about gallbladder removal. 
And, and I have had my gallbladder removed, but like. Me too, after <laughs> last year, I had that. Oh removed. my God, of course, because now <laughs> you're in your thirties. They always say like, you know, thirties and forties, if you're fertile or have had a kid and you, all the F's. Yeah. But you look like a tiny person. I am overweight. So it was not surprising to me that my gallbladder <laughs> failed, failed because of too much cheese probably in my diet. But I mean, but the recovery, all that to be said, the recovery, abdominal surgery recovery, cesarean, appendectomy, like gallbladder. I mean, the fact that you went back to work at a week, like that's kind of impressive. I wasn't full duty, so I wasn't lifting or anything like that. So okay. I was able to just kind of okay. sit and do desk work. When did you feel, now granted you were pregnant, but when did you feel back to yourself? Probably took a good three weeks to a month. Okay. That sounds um, more, that sounds more like. Back to normal, um, just because of, it's kind of funny to be trying to heal while your stomach is expanding. It's a very, you know, strange feeling. (laughs) Yeah. And that you're rapidly expanding when you're 19 weeks to 23 weeks, right? I mean, that's a big growth and that's when you're starting to feel kicks. And movements. Yes. Right after the surgery, um, I started to feel something and the surgeon said, oh, that's, we pump you up with gas. That's what that is. But days later it was still happening. So it, I like to say it was my baby saying, Hey, I'm okay. I'm here. (laughs) So it was the first time I felt the baby move. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I feel that I, I accept that, that that is when Because that's the exact right timing. I mean, it's usually around that 18 to 24 week mark, you know? So I think that's so beautiful. How was the rest of your pregnancy? The rest of my pregnancy was uneventful. Good. Um, Okay. I was huge. I gained 55 pounds. High five. Uh, I think that's healthy. (laughs) I'm not a doctor, y'all. Everybody knows that. So whatever. I did live alone. So it was hard at the end. I wore um, hard bottom slippers the entire last like trimester pretty much because I couldn't get my shoes on. Um, but no, I mean, because that sounds like fluid retention. So like just swelling. Well, I couldn't bend down to get my shoes on. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, my, I was like all beach ball in the front. Thank you for clarifying. When yes, you first said that, I was like, man, if I was like, if, your feet, if you couldn't put your feet in, I was thinking... That's not good, Tiffany. Um, but you just meant you couldn't get down to get them on. Right. That is, that's really good. So flip-flops and you're in, well, you're in Northern California. So slippers, flip-flops, and now you're working at a birth center too. So I'm assuming they're really accommodating, you know. They were accommodating there. I was also working um, as a full-time kitchen manager. Oh yeah, you I, said I, as a chef too. To cook. Yeah. So I would stand on a crate while working on the grill to flip um, chicken and stuff because I couldn't bend over far enough. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, so young. So did you Im- immediately stop going to school or were you still going to school? I was going to school until the appendectomy. At that point, okay. I had to withdraw from that class. Unfortunately, that was kind of the end of my nursing Um career at that time because it was just the pause button yes because I wasn't um 
able to continue. That was the last prereq that I needed. And I had to withdraw because I was had an appendectomy. Yeah. You know (laughs) what? This is where I feel like God just puts us on a path. Right. And sometimes we just listen and it's for many reasons and they reveal themselves much later, you know, like here you are 10 years later back, but maybe now is the right timing, you know, which is so beautiful. It all worked out for the best. Yes. Okay. So how did you know you were in labor? Like, and I'm saying this from someone that (laughs) I'm a doula. So I'm like, I know how to tell you're in labor, but, and you work part-time at a birth center. So you see people in labor all the time. So how did you know you were in labor? Well, it wasn't like a clear cut, hey, I'm in labor. Uh, My last, my due date or guest date was um, March 12th. Okay. My last day of work was March 10th. Okay. (laughs) So I worked till the end. On my drive home that day is when I kind of started feeling little, little Braxton Hicks, uh, contractions that kind of that were more painful than they were before so I said okay because okay, I asked my baby to wait until I was done with work <laughs> okay this is so important that I'm gonna call it out we are mammals we are primal beings when you are sitting at work working two jobs on your feet I mean like yes eventually if you're 42 weeks you're gonna go into labor but <laughs> It's hard for your body to know it's safe to go into labor until you relax. And so often my doula clients will just work all the way up until the end. And I'm like, great, I'm going to see you at your 42 week delivery, (laughs) you know? So it is always my recommendation if you have the luxury of paid time off, okay, to, to cut out about the 39th week. Right, thirty nine and zero. You know? I second that. I totally you know? wish I would have done that. I could have. I just wanted. I guess I wanted my whole time after. But if yeah, everybody does. Of course, one, I would definitely take some time off. Yeah, beforehand. <laughs> and just relax and release your body. You know, and I know that, like I said, that's a luxury of having a job that allows PTO, right, or short term disability or something like that. But I mean, if it's possible, y'all. Do it because you're hearing Tiffany right now attest to the fact that on that last day of work, oh, there was something about that drive home that as our primal being, you released and you started to feel more. So then what happened? Um, the next day I felt more, which was like the 11th. Okay. I did um, go get checked um, and I was like a fingertip. <laughs> dilated um so obviously I was sent back home um the following day I had even more contractions more pain at this point they are becoming um definitely uncomfortable and painful so now we're on your due date guest date yes okay Mm -hmm. and I felt more contractions I just kind of but they were kind of all over the place um my mom was kind of the one um timing them. So the following day, the 13th, I went in to get checked again because that's when I really felt pain. Um, they told me I was one centimeter dilated. Okay. 
You guys. Home again. Okay. Thanks for letting me interrupt this episode for just a quick minute with some reminders. One, Birth Story Academy is launching on February 1st, 2022, but pre-sales start on December 1st, 2021. So if you are listening in that window, I am offering 50% off to my loyal podcast listeners with code Birth Story Podcast. Second reminder, there are so much to devour at birthstory.com for free. So if you just click on birthstory.com, go to the workbook, type in your email address, it unlocks an entire library of all of my free resources. So if you want to learn more about placenta encapsulation, delayed cord clamping, have birth plan templates, like whatever your heart desires, I probably have written a guide for it. My latest guides are on postpartum recovery and breastfeeding. So I hope you will check out all those free resources at birthstory.com. And last but not least, if you want to go the extra mile, I would love it if you would push pause and leave a review and then click the icon that says share and send the podcast or a favorite episode to someone that you know who is pregnant, trying to become pregnant, loves birth stories, or that would really enjoy the birth story podcast. The only way people learn about this is through word of mouth and referral. So I love those reviews and those shares, and I appreciate you so much. So let's get back to this episode. All right, so Tiffany, I know that you already know what happened to you, but I'm going to share with the audience what was going on. This is called prodromal labor. It's also called early labor. It's also called warm-up labor. I talk all about it in my online childbirth class with Birth Story Academy. It is something that is excruciating. I started my prodromal labor on a Wednesday and delivered on a Sunday. I mean, because it's exhausting. Every day you're like, I'm in labor. I'm not in labor. I'm in labor. I'm not in labor. Okay. What I want you, the audience, to hear and Tiffany is about to dive into the difference, okay? Prodromal labor starts and stops, starts and stops. It doesn't have a pattern to it. It's the Each contraction is less than 60 seconds. Every now and then you'll get one longer, but for the most part, they're 20 seconds, 40 seconds, 30 seconds. They're 20 minutes apart, 10 minutes apart, 6 minutes apart, 17 minutes apart. They're not in a regular pattern, and they're not getting progressively longer, stronger, closer together, hour by hour. So I always ask my doula clients at four o'clock in the afternoon when they think they're in labor, do you feel significantly different at four o'clock than you felt at 3 p.m., 2 p.m., 1 p.m.? And if the answer is no, I'm like, you are in prodromal labor. You are in early labor. And also the second check is, is anything coming out of my vagina? So as the cervix thins or faces and opens... Things come out of it. The cervix bleeds when the capillaries are, you know. And so you will have some blood-tinged mucus, amniotic fluid, vaginal fluid increases. So I'm also kind of always like prodromal labor when like the panties are dry or just kind of normal wet with vaginal fluid. (laughs) 
So, um, so you are on day four now of prodromal labor and you've gone to the yes. hospital. Sorry. You've gone to the birth center twice. Yes. Girl, and what'd you do um, to cope? I did lose my mucus plug on yeah. that day also. So that was like, okay. Okay. Also on the 13th? On the 12th. On the 12th. Okay. Well, boom. Okay. Hooray. Yeah. That's something. And it was still just on and off, on and off. Um, I spent a lot of time just watching TV, um, walking um, a lot trying to just cope because the contractions were painful. Um, I was able to, um, one of the priest's wives from the church we were going to at the time, um, asked if I wanted to come hang out at their house because she had a huge tub. So I spent a few hours in her tub, just trying to relax. (laughs) And I watched Finding Nemo. That's awesome. I totally would have taken, I would have gone to that tub and I would have been like, I'm going to give birth here. Actually, I'm not leaving. (laughs) It was huge. It was awesome. Um, and then on, we're on the 13th. So on the 14th, I went and got checked again. I was still only a centimeter dilated. So at that point they said, do you want us to uh, sweep your membranes? And I said, yes, please. Hell yes. At this point, you guys, everyone will hear me on the podcast. And I wrote it in the book, like no membranes weaving, no membranes weaving, no membranes weaving until I'm like, yes, membranes weaving. (laughs) And I know it confuses my doula clients too, but I'm like, we keep membrane sweeping in our back pocket and we use it when appropriate. And so when you are in prodromal labor, sometimes you just need a little massage of that cervix, separate the amnesia sac from the top of the cervix release prostaglandins and every now and then it works did it work it did. <laughs> Yay! Okay. It did. they did they swept my membranes and also said because I hadn't I barely eaten I hadn't slept very much in days so they said go home we'll go to the store get some Benadryl and prunes okay so take the Benadryl eat the prunes okay and try to sleep. So we're walking around the drugstore and that is when I knew I was in real labor because while I was in the drugstore, it was like, it shifted. I felt a shift from prodromal labor to like, this is happening. (laughs) Yes. So the signpost of prodromal labor is, I don't know if I'm in labor. I think I'm in labor. Something's happening. Early first stage the signpost is, oh, I'm I'm definitely in labor. This is hard work. I can definitely do this. Isn't that interesting, though? It's such a shift. Like, if you have to ask yourself, hmm, I wonder if I'm in labor, what's going on? You're in prodromal labor. Sorry, guys. You know? But I love that you said you felt the shift. I was on the shopping cart, and I couldn't, when I had a contraction, I couldn't be upright anymore. I had to lean over the shopping cart. Um, while we're shopping for, you know, prunes and Benadryl and like a bunch of other random stuff. Yeah. looks very strange to people. I said, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. So (laughs) I'm confused by the prunes. Okay. You know, every city, every midwife is different. I'm always learning. I get the Benadryl. The Benadryl is going to knock you out and help you get therapeutic rest. What in the world were the prunes for? Instead of castor oil to kind of 
Oh, okay. As a substitute. Not as um, strong as castor oil. (laughs) Yes. Aggressive. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now we're tracking. I'm like one of those, let's get straight to the castor oil kind of people. So, okay. So now I understand the prunes. So did you today say I didn't take any, I went home and at that point, like labor's really kicking in. So I didn't get to take, you didn't take the Benadryl. I didn't. Oh, I, I would have. <laughs> that I was going to like, I don't know, fall asleep and the baby was going to come out or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was that easy, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I didn't take the Benadryl. Um, I labored on a birthing ball um, okay. that actually that evening is on at like 1130 at night. I was kind of leaning on the birthing ball. And my water broke. Wow. So I, okay. Hallelujah. It's happening. <laughs> That's an obvious sign you're in labor. Um, yes. Who's your birth partner? Did you have a doula? Did your mom stay with you? It was my mom. I was actually at her house at this point. Okay. So the plan was to go to her house as soon as I felt anything. So for those days I was at her house, we had put um, a shower curtain on the bed and everything kind of set up in her guest room. And I was just there. So, okay. Now you have a plan to birth at a birth center. That means that you don't get any medications for pain. (laughs) So was this like a core value of yours? Like you want, um, clearly you wanted an unmedicated birth or had you thought about switching to a hospital so that you could utilize an epidural or something? I am a core believer in unmedicated birth Um, for me. I believe anyone should be able to choose whatever they want as long as they're educated in their choice. Um, I love birth centers. I love midwifery care. And that's just something I have a huge passion for. Um, The birthing center here, um, we have a couple of them, but the one that I work at, um, they're so caring to everybody and their care is so like client centered, not like this is natural, you're normal, you're not sick, there's nothing wrong with you. So I knew I was going to get that level of care, which I wanted. Yeah. Okay. That makes me feel so happy. I love all types of birthing too, but of course I get extra passionate about um, unmedicated birth because I had an unmedicated birth with my second and it was so beautiful and it was so different than my first, which was medicated. And so if anyone's open to having an unmedicated birth, I'm always game for coaching them. You know, I coach you right into your epidural too. I'll talk you into anything you want. But, um, but as the, like, there's a coach inside of me that like when people say, Heidi, what's your core strength? And I'm like getting you through transition unmedicated. Like that's a deep passion of mine. So I'm glad I share that with you, Tiffany. So you're with your mom and you're laboring at home and your water breaks. And that was when we called, uh, the midwife because I was GBS positive. So as soon as my water broke, if I was in active labor, I was to call and go to the birthing center. Or if I wasn't, then they'd given me antibiotics to take at home since I was choosing to take the antibiotics for the GBS. Okay, that's very proactive of your birth center because, you know, not all birth centers test for GBS. Yeah, they do. Um, They do the uh, the test for GBS. They do also do the um, one for uh, gestational diabetes. 
luckily you don't have to drink their gross drink. They let you um, drink juice instead. Yes. Oh, I love it. Some of the hospitals in my market will do an alternate diet that's like with dye-free jelly beans and some different things. So, um, so you had really very kind of comprehensive care that was a balance of um, medical um, and then kind of organic support for unmedicated births too. So yes. Yeah. Beautiful. I got a little bit of the medical feel when I uh, had the appendectomy since I did end up having a little bit of post or a little bit of post-surgical care with an OB just enough to make sure everything was okay still for the birthing center. Yeah. I thought you were going to say just enough to not want to do that again, but it sounds (laughs) like you had beautiful um, OB care too. Yes. Um, So was your midwife like, okay, now you can come in or stay at home? Yeah. (laughs) No, they said, come in. Um, and we'll check you. I was four centimeters. So Hoorah! Tiffany, I was that's major. able to get admitted. That's kind of their threshold. You got to be in active labor and at least four centimeters for them to admit you. Yeah. So I was like, I'm so happy. Yeah. The midwife was very happy, but she'd also been up for like, I think 36 hours at that point. Okay. <laughs> it was a very busy week at the birth center. Okay. So I think I was like the fourth person to go into labor. So. Yeah. Well, were you, was she like, I'm going to go take a nap while you labor or did she stay with you? Um, she was kind of in and out since I did have my mom. Um, so she, I got, I got great support. So now, so that was 1130 PM. What time were you like checked into the birth center and settled? At 1215 in the morning. Oh, I mean, that was really fast. Okay. Yes. So it must be close by. Yes. Okay. 15 minutes away. (laughs) All right. So talk to me about the birth center. What does it look like in the room? What things are available to you? Um, There are two birthing rooms with a adjoining bathroom that both rooms share. Okay. Um, There's a nice huge soaking tub in the bathroom. And then there's also an aqua doula tub in one of the other birthing rooms. Okay. Um, So it's full size beds. Um, birthing balls, stools, anything, all, all the tools. Okay. (laughs) So, and do they do like twinkly lights and beautiful music and, you know, I don't know, essential oils is that, or did you have to bring some of that stuff yourself? Uh, they do have the flameless candles. Um, I, there wasn't the essential oils and things then since, I mean, this was 10 years ago. So now we have a lot more. That's true. doTERRA and young living kind of, you know, sped up the game, the essential oil game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I did have, um, you know, dimmed lights, uh, the candles. I knew I had it in my birth plan that I wanted to labor in the tub and I wanted to try to have a water birth also. Okay. So I immediately came in and wanted to get in the tub. So I was checked. My water did kind of like break the rest of the way during the exam. Yep. Yes. And I was able to get in the tub. Okay. So everyone listening, there are two amniotic sacs. And that confuses many a pregnant persons that there is an outer bag and then there is a four bag. (laughs) And so your water can break. And then they like some birthing persons get confused because the midwife's like, oh, you have a four bag I can break. And I don't know how to describe it other than like, 
Imagine if you like had a, a big sack of water, like a water balloon, and you just tore a little hole in the top of it. But like not all the water would spill out unless you turned it upside down. So then later you could cut the bottom of the balloon off. And that's like kind of like breaking, you know, the rest of the bag. So sometimes we have to, your water breaks and then it still breaks again, you know, or, or they'll artificially rupture your membranes again. So that's pretty normal. So you were able to get right into the tub. They did hook up a IV first um, okay. in my forearm. So the one that was going to be out of the tub. Okay. Um, so that I could get my uh, antibiotics. Okay. And then the antibiotics take about 20 minutes to deliver. Once they were done administering them, did they keep the port in your arm or? I had two rounds of antibiotics and then um, they just, um, they kept the port in, but they, you know, unhooked okay. the, the saline and all that. So then I was just, and they tape it up and then they just say, you're good to go. Okay, perfect. I just, I'm trying to imagine having a water birth with an one arm out of the tub. Like, that's where my brain is, like, trying to go, is, like, how do you keep... Well, it's up against the wall, so yeah. one arm is kind of natural, I guess. It didn't bother me at all. To keep that um, arm out of the water? Yeah, and okay. then once they... I mean, and you know, she didn't even mention don't put it in the water or really anything. She just, once it was taped up, they just called it good. Okay. So they're not really fussy about that, so, so, which is nice. So what were you feeling when you got into the tub? I was having excruciating back pain. Um, at this point, we did not know that the baby was OP. So I just thought, well, this is labor, but it was excruciating back pain. So um, I just felt everything in my back, nothing really in the front. So the water did help the warm water yeah. <laughs> really help. Um, with my labor. I was in there like the majority of my labor. We just kept okay. emptying and refilling the tub. Yeah. Now what was your mom doing to help? She was sitting next to me. Um, just, you know, just really being there. Um, I really went kind of internal. Um, I didn't talk a lot. My sister was there for a short period of time, but then I started, um, like dry heaving, I got really nauseous. Mm -hmm. So my sister kind of was like, I can't do this anymore. Okay. <laughs> she excused herself and called my dad to come help support her. So they were able to kind of wait in the living room area together while my mom was with me. Wonderful. Um, so at that point, it was about, I'm like look, looking at my labor record since I have it in front of me. <laughs> I love it. I know. I was like, I have that luxury. <laughs> yes. Read your birth story. Look at that outline. It really helps. So you are in the tub. Your mom's helping you. The dry heaving sucks, y'all. I mean, there's no like, and I'm talking like the dry heaving starts after you throw up sometimes a couple or 10 times. Um, I hadn't eaten much. There was like nothing to throw up. So that was just, it, it didn't, luckily it didn't last very long, but it was not fun. Yeah. So as a doula, if I'm watching this happen and you have back pain, I'm like watching your body try to rotate your baby through pushing. So vomiting or dry heaving are pushes, right? So huh, 
you're pushing everything down into your pelvic floor. So it actually strengthens the intensity of a contraction or a surge or helps you have like that extra push to keep the baby low in between the contractions. Like our body is so smart, right? And so I see moms who have OP, I'm sorry, I see birthing persons who have OP babies that will really have more nausea and vomiting and dry heaving as the baby is trying to rotate into the proper position. So that's what I was I very think was pushy. Happening. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think that's my, what was happening. I kept trying like with every, a lot of the contractions I was trying to just like bear down. It was just, I couldn't help it. Um, I was very pushy. So they had asked me, you know, try to blow. They, I did ask for them to check me. Um, they don't normally do routine um, vaginal exams every, you know, all the time, but I was a numbers person. I wanted to see. Yes. <laughs> so at that point I was seven centimeters. So that was helpful to know for me. And that was about at like four o'clock in the morning. 4 a.m. So, okay. Now yeah. it is really normal to be super pushy with an OP baby when your cervix is not complete. So about seven centimeters sounds right about right. That Because the head gets so low in this wrong place, it triggers that fetal ejection reflex. It's just, oh, you know. Um, I'm so curious. I know, like, we're, I don't want to spoil it, but my last two birth center births resulted in a transfer because of OP back pain, and they just couldn't stop pushing. So they were swelling their cervix and couldn't stop pushing. So, that did happen. Well, not the transfer, but the swelling. That's why they'd ask me, you know, blow, blow, blow. Okay. It finally kind of calmed down a little bit. I actually kind of started to doze off and kind of fall asleep between contractions, which is a crazy thing to think. But, you know, it's kind of like, hey, body, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> Our body is so smart. Our body is so smart. So, Tiffany, um, Ina Mae Gaskin calls this PASMO. Um, it's a Spanish word that means regressing cervix. And it just means the cervix is getting irritated because you're pushing against it when it's still there <laughs> and it swells. So uh, so your body took care of you and you kind of deeply relaxed, dozed off. Yeah. And I did that for about an hour, hour and a half um, by like 5 a.m., I was eight centimeters. Okay. So back, so back in the right direction. Yeah. Um, at that point I'd gotten out of the tub and got on the bed. Um, she did an exam and was like, Oh, the baby's OP. <laughs> so I, you were like, no surprise. I've been telling you for 10 hours, my back hurts. <laughs> yeah. And at that point we had discussed a transfer. Cause I just said, I can't do this. The baby's never going to come out. It's never going to come out, mm -hmm. which, you know, it's transition. That's the yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah. That sounds about, that's the signpost for transition. I can't so do this. Bye. See yeah. ya. <laughs> I'm out. I'm headed to the hospital. See you guys. <laughs> so we discussed kind of what we could do. Um, she had me lay on my side, um, on my, left side to kind of get the baby to try to turn, okay. um, so that it wasn't OP. Um, okay. and 
it worked for the baby did about a quarter turn. Okay. So now it's, you know, looking sideways. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they also did, um, they call them like the sterile papules in my back. So they put sterile water um, in four spots to try to block, I guess, pain. You're the very first person I've ever interviewed on the podcast now also that has ever had sterile water injections, saline injections, essentially, like in your lower back. They're excellent for back pain and it underutilized. Yeah. yeah, it, it did help. It hurt going in, okay. um, but it really did offer some sort of relief for the back pain. Yeah. Um, so at this point I was also in and out of the tub. Um, and finally I got out of the tub, we drained it. Um, cause I realized we were like, this isn't going to happen in the tub since, um, they had to kind of turn the baby, like, let's just get to the bed. Um, so we did at this point, it was probably about 7am and I was nine centimeters at that point. So that was, um, helpful to know also. And I still was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I want to go to the hospital. And the midwife who at this point had been up for like 48 hours straight said, baby's fine. Baby sounds fine. I am going to call the, cause the next midwife was on at 8 AM and said, let's, I'm going to call the other midwife in just so that she could have look, get a second opinion and then really decide if we should go to the hospital or not. Cause at that point I wanted to go to the hospital. I wanted to get an epidural. I was just, I was done. Um, and so I said, okay, let's wait. Cause she knew how much I wanted a birth center birth. So she was wanting to support me in that. So to this day, I I'm so grateful that, that she did that for me instead yeah. of just saying, let's pack up and go. Cause she could have easily done that. Yeah. So the other second midwife came in, um, she was pregnant herself and she came in and I just remember the smell because she had just gotten out of the shower. Her hair was still wet. She smelled so fresh <laughs> and was like, <laughs> she came in and she said, can I examine you? We did. She looked, she said, by the time you get dressed, get to the hospital, get an epidural, all that, you could just have the baby. So let's do want to do it. I said, let's just do it. <laughs> awesome. So at that point she did go in and she manually turned the baby, the last quarter turn, um, internally. So that does not feel good when you're unmedicated y'all. It, Tiffany. <sighs> it was so relieving after the fact though. Okay. It was the second she did that, like all my back pain was just gone. <laughs> oh, okay. So it was worth it. So a f- it was totally worth it. Was it a few seconds or a few minutes of rotation you think? A few minutes, um, because okay. she, you know, turn a little bit and you'd want to turn back and turn out, you know, trying okay. to be gentle. But finally the baby turned and stayed that way. So oh, thank you, Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, at that point I was fully dilated also. Yeah, I was gonna say, of course, I think yeah. your cervix just dissolves at that point. Right. Okay. I had the littlest lip, and by the time she did that she, I kind of pushed through that last slip and then it was time. (laughs) Okay. So what time was this now? Uh, this was right around nine o'clock. Okay. So now we're about 12 hours into labor ish. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, 
started pushing. Um, I pushed a little bit on the bed. Um, I got onto a birthing stool. So they were trying to, you know, get gravity to kind of help. Um, I really didn't want to have the baby in the bed on my back, but, um, sitting on the stool, I, it was helpful, but I was so exhausted. I couldn't even hold myself up at that point. Yeah. (laughs) So we got back into the bed. Um, I continue to push. And by bed at a birth center, we don't mean hospital bed. No, it's a normal full size bed. The midwife's in the bed with you, you know, sitting at the end of the bed. You know, my mom was next to me on the bed. So Okay. I just, a lot of people that have never been to a birth center, like now are thinking the hospital bed. No, y'all, this is like a queen bed in a hotel room. I mean, it looks like you're just at home, you yes. know, but fancier. <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. So now we're in bed and pushing. I got some juice because I was so tired. Um. So they gave me a little bit of juice to try to get my energy up a little bit. Okay. And finally at about 10 o'clock is when I started crowning. So, and all through the pushing, I didn't, I did not feel pain. It was so, it felt so good to push by that point. So. Oh, did everybody hear that? Right. Yeah. It's funny because my dad and my sister were in the living room and they said you were, I was very loud. I was a very vocal uh, laborer. Yes. (laughs) they said once they, they figured I was pushing because then I just got silent and I wasn't, you know, yelling yeah. anymore. <laughs> and you, it does feel so good to push against that pressure. Like mm-hmm. you're finally doing something, you know? Oh, I just, I do remember how good it felt. I was like, oh, thank God, this feels so good. And then you feel like you could go on forever, you know? So that's relatively short. So you're pushing for like an hour and then you crowned? Yes. And um, and he came out at 1022. So I pushed for an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. So he did have time. a loose cord around his neck. So they okay. kind of just, you know, pulled that out from around his neck um, as he came out and he was born. They put him directly on my chest and it was, it was amazing. I didn't know the sex of the baby at that point. Okay. Um, oh, because in the ultrasound, he hid. Yes. And oh. I actually had a second ultrasound too. And at that point he had kind of stuck his butt at me and I couldn't <laughs> tell either. So those are the only two ultrasounds I had. I really I tried to find out and he said no. So oh. at that point, I kind of was on my chest for a while. And I finally said, oh, well, let me see <laughs> what I just had. Oh, and yeah, but... uh, it was a boy. Oh, and did you have a boy name picked out already? Well, I was going to use Jaden either way. Okay. Boy or girl. Yeah. So I wanted to pick a name that could go either way. You know, I love that for so many reasons. Um, but how wonderful. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Tiffany, what an incredible, like, I was like on like my tippy toes this whole entire time. I mean, I was sweating through your appendectomy. <laughs> and then, I mean, but your whole entire birth the prodromal labor, I learned, I just learned so much from you. And I, that was a really impactful birth story for this audience. So I hope everyone's feeling really encouraged right now about the stages of labor and the process of labor and that 
even if you have to have an appendectomy, like likely everything's going to be okay. Um, thank you. I really appreciate you. Um, thank you for letting me share. You're welcome. So before you go, um, a lot of people are on here who are pregnant. And so the last question I always ask is what's your favorite baby product or new parent product or, um, that you would want to share that they, you say, put this on your registry, buy this, make sure you have this. What was that for you? Um, the item that I found that was most helpful is the super baby food book. It's a big purple book Okay, and it is so helpful just, um, in terms of introducing solids and all of those things, how to prep baby food. Um, I come from a food background. I'm a cook. Mm -hmm. So it was great to be able to have all these different recipes, all these different ways to, you know, feed your baby. I really wanted to be able to um, make homemade baby food. Um, So I was able to do that and it showed you how to, you know, put it in the ice cube trays and freeze it and put it in the freezer. And it was an easy way to do it. That wasn't, um, super time-consuming and wasn't overwhelming. Very cool. Okay. Well, no one has mentioned that before on the podcast either. There's lots of new things happening. And so we'll make sure we link that in the show notes also for the book, Super Baby Food. So um, Tiffany, how can anyone get a hold of you if they're out in your area or they want to chat about your birth story? Um, You can find me on Instagram. It's uh, jmom15. Okay. So So J-A-Y. Not the letter Y. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And also I'm on Facebook, uh, just under Tiffany Lacey. I am uh, private, but you can send me a message. Okay. Excellent. Tiffany, thank you so much for being on the Birth Story podcast today. It was a pleasure. And I will, I don't know, just keep in touch as you go through your midwifery assistance program and you go on this journey that was on pause for just a little (laughs) bit. Um, I'm excited to hear from you. So I hope you'll keep in touch. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. And before you go, I would love to see you in class at Birth Story Academy. As a reminder, you can use code BIRTHSTORYPODCAST to get the course for $98 between now, whenever you're listening, and February 1st pre-sales and that discount ends price doubles. So hope to see you in class. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.